Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. We haven't got a chance to meet. You're new to Grace City Church. My name's Will Plunk, and I get the privilege of serving as uh, the lead pastor here at Grace City Church. We are a four-and-a-half-year-old church plant who still don't have a permanent space, and who knows if we ever will. Who knows if we ever will. Now we pray about it. Maybe that'll come one day. Maybe not. Uh, but we, we, uh, we are glad to be here. We've been in West Ashley most of our time. We spent a little, little bit online, like most churches did, and then a little bit at uh, Firefly Distillery, because uh, we get down. Just kidding. Um, but we were, we were in their event venue uh, just to meet outside for a minute. And, uh, but we're, we've been here, and we uh, have got to see God do a lot of things in four and a half years. And, um, but there is no better time to be a Christian than Resurrection Sunday. And here's why I say it. It's truthfully, every day is in a sense the same, but there's something that happened in, in church history over time where we started to recognize this one day we chose to celebrate that this was the day we're going to all come together and go, hey, let's remember what our faith was founded on. Let's remember why we are who we are, why we're not a sect of Judaism, why, why, why we're not some other type of religion or spirituality or, or moral thing, like why we are who we are, and that was Resurrection Sunday. And so we gathered to celebrate, to celebrate the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead physically and historically has everything to do with us today. Do you know that? Like that event 2,000 years ago isn't something you just read about in history books. That's supposed to be something that has everything to do with your here and now and forever. You know this. There's a song at the last church uh, that I was at that we'd sing some, and it would go something like this. By your spirit I arise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king has resurrected me by your name. We, I'm going to keep going with my life to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. See, why don't Kingsley let me join the worship team? Thank you. Thank you. Standing applause. There was two. There was two. You remember. There were two. I love that line, though. I love that line. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. By his spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king, past tense, is resurrecting me, present tense. This is true. Listen, family, if, if you're far off and you got questions or skepticism or you don't really know about this Jesus thing or Christianity, whatever, like, like it's true that the resurrected king is desiring to resurrect you. That you're here not by chance, but instead that that king who defeated the grave decided, I want them to come close to hear a message that can get at them and let them know that that event 2,000 years ago has to do with them right now. But if we've been with Christ, in Christ, maybe we're discouraged, depressed, happy, excited, don't even matter. The same is true that that resurrected king is right now, family, you in Christ, resurrecting me. We're going to look at John chapter 11 this morning. If you have your Bible open, 
to John 11. This is our practice as a church. We typically just go through books of the Bible. We go through chapters of the Bible. The reason we do that is because we believe that what the Bible says, God says. Amen? Amen. We believe what this, what this book says is, is what God says, and we can trust it, and so we submit to it. We, think, we view it as our authority, but we also know that it's living, and it's active, and it's sharp, that it's good for us, and that it has all these things to say that confusing at times, but beautifully powerful for us. And so that's our practice. John 11 is not the account of Jesus' resurrection. It's the account of him resurrecting somebody else. And this is why I wanted to do this today, is that we would, this morning, realize that that resurrected king wants to resurrect us, that he wants to resurrect you from whatever situation you're in, whatever emotional state you're in, whatever hardship or sin struggle or grief or despair or anxiety you're in, whatever financial difficulty you're in, that he wants to resurrect you in a way that might be different than we think, but nevertheless, he wants to get in. You and family? I got my jacket on today because it's Resurrection Sunday. (laughs) But I got my hoodie on today because I'm Will Plunk. You know what I'm saying? And here's the truth, right? Like, a lot of us be dressed up. We, like, get our pastels. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? You like to get all that on, and that's great. But here's what I know from already talking with some of y'all in our first service. is many of us, we look really good on the outside, but we struggle on the inside. And you might be in a place like this. You might, everybody look real nice. These people put together. And I'll tell you as their pastor, no. <laughs> it's just, I know the truth. I talk to y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, same with me. Like, we, we all in process. And that's why we need that resurrected king. So let's go before him in a word of prayer. Father God, we do come before you this morning. And because you are who you are, we anticipate you to do what you say you're going to do. We anticipate that what you've done means something for us. And I want to ask you something. That for those of us who've grown tired of thinking that the word of God might give a little life to them, might give them some fresh hope, might deliver them from their situation, I want to pray that today you open their heart a little bit. That their mind might anticipate that you might get into it and challenge some of their presuppositions and intellectual barriers and you would dive into it and and in that place you would start to conform their mind. You would transform their mind, Jesus. That those of us who feel bound by sin, like there's no way we can get out of it because it has ensnared us. We're trapped like a rabbit in a snare. We don't know how to get out. I pray today through reflecting on and recognizing the power of the resurrection, you would free us. You would release us from the bondage that sin tries to say we're in, but you have freed us from in Christ. For there is freedom in you. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Free us. And may there be a memory made just as a way 
to recognize the power and the glory and the splendor of Jesus Christ, the one through whom we do have life and the one through whom we have breath and the one through whom we have joy and purpose. May today be that day. So we pray this in the mighty name, the only name given to man through which they might be saved, Jesus Christ. All God's people said, Amen. John 11 has enough context of its own, so we're just going to jump in here. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. There in other parts of this account of Jesus' life. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Everybody say love. Lord, the one you love is sick. The NLT will translate it, Lord, your dear friend is sick. This is not some arbitrary random person that Jesus has never met. This is somebody that Jesus has a close relationship with, fellowship with, and loves. His dear friend, he knows personally, and he's found out that Lazarus is sick. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. End is the key word. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, notice this, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And that's when everybody said, what? Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. Jesus loved, and when he heard, he stayed that's when you say, what, that don't make no sense. What do you do for somebody you love when you find out they're sick? And here's the truth, right? Like, it might not have been a big deal, but this sickness ain't no cold sickness, sinus infection sickness. It's a different kind of sickness. So much so that verse 14, he's going to go ahead and say it. So then they told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. This is the sickness that makes you die. Jesus heard, first he loved Lazarus, and he heard he was sick, so he stayed. And you go, why the delay? And that's kind of the context for us this morning, is this delay. And I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life when I've been coming to God, asking him to do something because of whatever particular situation I'm in, hoping he might deliver me, hoping he might answer, yet I feel like I'm waiting. Anybody right there with me willing to be honest on Resurrection Sunday? Feel like you're waiting on God in your financial situation? Like, I've been talking to him for a minute, and here I am, still right here. Maybe a chronic illness, you or somebody you love. I've been talking to God for a minute, yet here I am. Maybe hoping he would kind of, you felt like he almost showed you something would happen in your future, this, this kind of pathway that he provided for you, yet, yet you're praying, you still feel like I didn't have this breakthrough, it still hadn't happened for me. Maybe it's just like depression or anxiety, and you're like, I've been talking about God, talking to God about it for a minute, but I'm still here, waiting on God, where you at? 
Anybody or where you at kind of like, where are you at? I got four little kids. The oldest is seven and a half. So they're constantly getting hurt and crying nonstop. Every day there's tears. <clears throat> My wife and I have two different approaches. You judge which one you think is more Christian. <laughs> the other day, he took a bite of rice. It was hot. He was crying. This is my youngest, my two-year-old. I look at him, and I'm like, all right. Mally looks at him crying and jumps in there and, like, takes it out of his mouth. And literally, she looks at me and goes, who are you? <laughs> but what do I think? I think he needs to toughen up. I'm like, that rice ain't that hot. I just ate it. I assume our heat receptors are equal. I don't know. Maybe babies are more sensitive to that kind of thing. But I'm the one, like, they spill milk. They, they scrape the knee, whatever. I'm like, I'm going to make them tough. I ain't going to intercede right then. Anybody like that? You say, Pastor, you alone on an island. Now we got some of them, right? Like, like that's kind of how I am. I'm like, let's make, them, let's make them tough. But again, like, my wife, I feel like she hears tears, and, like, she'll hear from across the room, and she'll just, like, jump in here and, like, scoop them up and love them. Which one's more Christian? <laughs> it's her. Yeah, and I realize that. <laughs> I realize it's her. But I think that's our natural thought of what would happen when we're in a hard situation, right? Like that God would just come in right then and scoop us up, like he would intervene right then, right? Like he's powerful enough to do something. He could remove the pain right away, couldn't he? He could take the, the thing you're struggling with out of your life right now, couldn't he? He could change your situation right now, couldn't he? He could provide for you a spouse right now, couldn't he? He could provide for you a child right now, couldn't he? Couldn't he do it? And so you're like, why the delay? In some ways, it's an age-old spiritual conundrum that many theologians and, and people often ask, if God is all-powerful and if God is all-loving, why the pain? Why the difficulty? Why the situation? Here's what's wild about our text today. Jesus answers that question. He tells us how an all-loving and all-powerful God responds to our difficulty. Look at verse 14 again. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Look at verse 15. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Everybody say believe. But let us go to him. Let me read it one more time. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. You know why he delays? You know why you're in that situation? You know why you're in the difficulty? This says, so that you may believe. He actually wants to engender propagate, get in you, and show you that there is somebody worth having faith in. This is wild. We would think the delay would be opposite of love, yet he's going to say it's the reverse. He does this so that we may believe. Not believe just anything. There's three things we're going to see in this text that he's asking us to believe, and they're three Ps to keep it simple. The person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, and the power of Jesus. He wants us to believe in the person of Jesus, the presence, 
of Jesus and the power of Jesus. And you're going to see it because in this text this morning, there are three statements levied at Jesus. And each statement is kind of like a question. And all of them embedded in it is this one. Why did you delay? I see you could do something. Why am I in this situation? Why did you delay? But in the text, seven times you get the word believe. They're almost always attached to purpose statements. And he wants us to believe in the person, the presence, and the power of that resurrected king. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Do you get it? Because he delayed, Lazarus stayed dead longer. Mary and Martha mourned longer. They grieved longer. They experienced more pain. Four days, their brother lay dead. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, verse 19, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. You hear that? That's the first statement question. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. There's some faith embedded in that question, right? Like, I believed you had the power to do something. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. It's not a terrible question. It's actually a pretty good statement, isn't it? If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I know, God, you have power. She even says, but I know now that even, or even now that God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 22, or 23, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection the last day. I love this. I think, I think, I think uh, Martha thinks Jesus is giving her a pad Bible answer right here. You see what I'm saying? Because, because, because she's like, if you would have been here, something would, you know, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says, your brother will rise. And she goes, I know. He will rise at the resurrection the last day. But like, like, I, think, I think she thinks that Jesus is just like, hey, here's your Bible verse to fix your situation. You know what I'm saying? And like for some of you who are in, if, you're, if you have a situation in your mind or your heart right now that you've been like laboring in and struggling in, like you know what it's like when Christians become with those Bible verses. They'd be like, hey, Romans 8, 28. Some of y'all already know. You know, so God, God works for the good of those who love him. You're like, thank you for nothing. For absolutely not. That has not helped me in any way. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're struggling with something. It's like, well, you know what? You know what I mean? Philippians, like, yeah, you can do all things through God. You're like, sweet, but I can't though. Like, but I, but I, but I don't think, you know, it's like, or someone's like, you just got to let go and let God. And you're like, that's, that's not even a verse. Like now we're just, now we're just like in left field and we're just saying Christian stuff to each other. And some of y'all know what it is. Like, like in your, in your struggle, in your situation, your hardship and your difficulty, whatever it is, like you might be used to coming to a place like this or being surrounded by Christians and they just giving you pad theological answers. I'm, I'm talking about Bible verses. They're giving you Bible verses without the meat, Bible verses without the, without the person. They, they're not really giving you what, what the Bible actually gives us. And if you pay attention to the text today, again, he says that she says, I know he'll rise again. So she's thinking, right. Get this. 
She knows, she has asserted the fact that she knows that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Jesus could have done something about it. She even has her theological, I mean, she, she knows about a resurrection. She, she got her doctrine down. But look at what Jesus does. This is, this is why I think it's bad, because, like, look how Jesus responds. Jesus says to her, I feel like he, like, I feel like he, like, Martha. Like, I feel like he must have grabbed her by the chin and be like, hey, baby. I am the resurrection, and the life. Martha, I'm not giving you just some sort of random theological doctrine to help you in your time of trouble. What I'm telling you is I am the resurrection and the life. I so thoroughly identify with the resurrection that there is no resurrection without me. I so thoroughly identify with the life that there is no life without me. And let me tell you something about John's gospel account. When he talks about life, he ain't talking about the capacity for functionality and existence. No, 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 no. He's talking about John 10, 10, I've come to bring life and life to the full. He's talking about abundant life. He's talking about everlasting life. He's talking about joyful life. He's talking about abundant life. He's talking about purposeful life. He's like, hey, 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 I am the resurrection and the life. Here's the first thing. Like, like, I believe just, I mean, it's today and we're in the South, and so I can't help but think for many of us, we think the most important question is, do we agree, agree to the theological tenets of the Christian faith? And I want to tell you today, Jesus says, that's wrong. It's not agreeing to the tenets. It's knowing the person. It's knowing the person. It's intimacy with Jesus. It's not just knowing about sentences. Let me tell you something today. Sentences cannot save you, only your Savior can. Propositions cannot protect you, only a person can. Morals cannot mediate for you, only the mediator can. Creeds and confessions cannot recreate you, only your Creator can. Let me tell you something to say. A religious system will never release you from sin. Only the relational spirit can. Let me tell you something. Morals will not redeem you. Only Jesus can. Jesus says it's about knowing me, experiencing me, loving me, engaging with me. Family, it is not just about knowing right doctrine. It's about knowing the right Father God. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. That's what he says. And that's what he says to you this morning. I am. Stop just trying to know right things. Stop trying to get all your ducks in a row. Know me. There was a study done more recently, surveying the spiritual condition of Americans. And it found that although church attendance is down across the board, Americans report having no less spiritual beliefs than they once did. In other words, the same amount of people believe that there is a God and there is a resurrection as a long time ago. So what this reporter concluded was the only difference now is not that people believe in the, 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 the doctrine of God or the doctrine of the resurrection, but that people don't participate in it. 
So that it's a post-America or, or post-Christian America, not because our beliefs have changed, but because our practices have. In other words, we are a nation full of, you ready, hypocrites, where we have detached propositional beliefs from participation and enjoying a person. I wonder if you're there. For many of us, maybe there was even a time where like relationship with Jesus, I mean, like that's what you thought. But I wonder if something is cool and now you're just like, I'm sitting in the seat doing the thing, believing rightly. But you don't realize Jesus is like, here I am for you to know personally. You can relate to me, the resurrection and the life. Martha, look up. Don't just look at a sentence. Look up to me, I believe, he says. I am the resurrection and the life. Then he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I like how he says this right here. Do you believe this? Again, why the delay? So we would believe this. So we would experience this. So that there would be a moment where we wouldn't just go, I agree, but we would go, I agree. Do you believe this? She says, yes, Lord. An incredible moment of faith and a confession. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I think some of the scales must have fallen off, and she's like, it's you. I literally remember this. Grew up in church. Getting to a place where people started talking about relationship with God. And I was like, oh, that's what this is. It's not a social club or a moral institution. It's that I get intimate fellowship with my Savior. That's what this is. It's not about experiences or great songs or great sermons. It's that you have direct access to the resurrection and the life to know him personally. That's what this is. Down into our second section, the presence of Jesus. The second thing he wants us to believe this Resurrection Sunday. 28, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You hear that's the second statement kind of question. You hear it in there again. Why'd you delay? Lord, again, some sort of statement of faith, Lord, I recognize what's true. I know you have power. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. I know he wouldn't have died if you were here because you have power. Why the delay? Verse 33. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, look at this. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then we get the shortest verse in the Bible, which is immeasurably long in its ability to comfort and console us. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Do you hear this? Why the delay? Jesus doesn't respond and rebuke and, and say, you're not thinking right. Instead, just why the delay? Like, it, you feel like it's almost like a primal cry. Like, my brother is deceased. We're all weeping. We're all crying. We don't know what to do with ourselves right now. We love him. It was too early for him to go. Why the delay? And Jesus doesn't rebuke her and say, you don't have enough faith. What's he do? He's deeply moved in spirit. The idea he's grieved in his soul. He is troubled, meaning he is agitated. And he weeps. The word wept here for Jesus is different than the word used talking about weeping of Mary and Martha and the rest of the crowd. This one used of Jesus just means shed tears. I think probably letting us know that the Messiah, Savior, creator of the universe, when he is seeing his loved one die and people mourning, literal tears were streaming down his face. The God-man disturbed by death, mourning and grieving the weeping of the people that he loves, that they are stood. And in this moment, I believe their pain is his pain. Their grief is his grief. They're merged together, and now we get a glimpse in why the delay, I believe, his emotional response is to say, why the delay? Because I wanted you to know that I'm present, that I care, and that I love you. I don't know if all y'all going to follow me here, but I want you to understand something. We often think, and I think most naturally respond with, because God's powerful and I'm in this particular situation and, and I don't feel him there and, and he's not doing anything about it, then maybe he doesn't love me. Like we're quick to question him because of the delay. But here's what's wild about how the Bible reads. The Bible actually reads is the delay is not intended to cause us to question God's love. But it actually is a way God displays his love. Do you know this? The delay, the delay in your life, the grief in your life, the anxiety and depression in your life, the situation, you would really, if you could, you would want to snap it away. You wish God would just snap it away. He's saying, actually, you know why? One of the reasons you're there is so that I can display my love for you that you would never know if you were not in that hard spot. Guess what? If Lazarus doesn't die, you know what we never see? That Jesus weeps. We would not know that Jesus would weep just like us. That he would be troubled just like us. That he would be moved just like us. Except right now, he sees this pain and he weeps. He grieves. He mourns. This is your Jesus. 
you think, but man, it would be better. Like, I would know he loved if he just provided for me. I know some of y'all saying that. Here's my question to you. Do you think that trees and algae love you? You have no idea where I'm going. I know that, but I'm going to take you there. Do you feel like, do you, this is real quick, do you feel like trees love you? No, you know y'all think like trees love you. Some of y'all, I don't know, you're like, you ain't like trees. Man, they got my back. All right, why are you saying algae? Because they're constantly providing oxygen for you that if you didn't have, you would drop down and die right now. Right? They are constantly providing for you. Yeah, they don't love you nothing, do they? You don't think about them. You're not like, man, let's just sing about some trees. I just love trees. Algae from in the ocean. What? You're so good to me. And they literally, we wouldn't live without them. Literally, they're providing for us constantly. What Jesus did that's so different, yes, he provides for us. Yes, he will provide for us. Yes, he will deliver us. We going to get there. But first, you got to understand, he came down. He entered in. He wept with us first. He was with us in the shadow of the valley of the death. First, we got to understand he's grieving. He's mourning. And if we are ever to question his love for us, we need only look at the cross where we see the God-man beaten. We see him whipped. We see him lashed. We see him nailed. Why is he there if not to show us he cares? They respond in verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. They know now. I don't know if they knew before, but they know now. They saw him weep. They saw him moved. They saw him troubled. So what do they say? See how he loved him. Honestly, some of us are in the situation right now that we're in, and we're not out of it. And it's kind of like how Paul says, your grace is sufficient for me, for your power is made perfect in weakness. God just wants us to see that he loves us. I had a conversation with a brother recently in our church who's just been through too much loss and pain and difficulty for the age they are, and it was just, we were talking about life, and he just was saying, that he would, he would not have known the intimacy and love of God had not he suffered the way he had and lost what he had lost. He's like, gave me a kind of view of eternity that's different. It kind of puts things in perspective. That what we need more than we need deliverance from whatever surface level situation we need, are in is the love of God in our life. That's what we need. That's what we need. But family, it is Resurrection Sunday. So let us talk about the resurrection. The next statement is in verse 37, but some of them said, and it's an interesting deal about the questions, they become kind of more accusatory and less believing, but some of them said, (laughs) but some of them said, could not, the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying. Before, they're like, if you were here, something would have happened. Something would have happened. Now these people are like, I mean, at this point, couldn't he cry in? 
Like, couldn't he have done something? Like, why are you so much? Like, you missed your chance, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But here's the truth, family. Jesus does not mourn and grieve as one who is unable to do work. So in verse 38, Jesus, once more reminding us again, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. That's how you know the Bible's real. Because it's just like a random fact, like bad odor. Yes, I don't know why you include that. Must be real. That's how I think. Clearly you don't. Then Jesus, verse 40, did I not tell you that, listen, listen, listen to the purpose statement again. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and listened to what he said. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus has the voice, the power for his voice to go into the grave and to defy death and pull Lazarus out. One commentator said, if he would not have specified Lazarus' name, when he called, all the corpses on the globe would have come out. Because when Jesus speaks, there's power. You know what? Lazarus' body recognized that that's the same voice that spoke the cosmos into existence. He's the voice who created us, so he's the voice that can pull us out the grave. So he says, Lazarus, come out. Why'd he delay? So he could display his power. That he has the power over death. He has the power over sin. He has the power over our situation. He has the power over our depression. He has the power over everything to call and pull it out. And I wonder if today some of y'all just need to hear Jesus say, come out. You say, Sam, you need to come out. Ashley, come out. Jonah, come out. Just like you need to hear your name come out. Because that resurrected king family is resurrecting me. He's resurrecting me. He don't delay because he don't care. He don't delay because he's not there. He delays because he wants you to know you don't need to believe in some sort of doctrine. You need to believe in a person. He delays because he wants you to see his presence, that he cares for you. And he delays because he wants you to know that he has a voice that defies death. He has a voice, and he's done the work that actually what it says in Colossians chapter 2, he has made a public spectacle of all the spiritual forces of evil. That's the kind of voice Jesus got. This is Jesus. 
He does have the power to deliver us. And he wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that he has defeated our biggest problem, sin and death. There was um, a study done in 2016 by John Hopkins that was kind of proposing the idea from their study that medical malpractice and misdiagnosis is actually the third leading cause of death. They said they just believe the CDC doesn't kind of categorize that as its own um, cause of death. And I wonder if for many of us, we've actually misdiagnosed our problem. We think we need more friends. We think we need a financial breakthrough. We think we need to be out of the anxiety and depression we're in. We think we need a husband or a wife. We think we need a child. And I'm not saying those are not real problems. I believe they are fundamentally real problems, and I'm trying to be intentional. But what I want you to know about your Jesus, even in the delay, is I believe he desperately wants you to know that he is there with you, and he has power to right all the wrongs And all the things that you didn't get that you hoped you would get in this life. Because he has defeated sin and death. And we, through Christ, in him, because of faith, not because of works, by grace, will be seated next to him in the upper room for all eternity. Where we will be satisfied and we will be singing, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he wants you to know that even when your situation is difficult and it's hard and it's real, but he wants you to have unshakable security that he has already taken care of your last foe. Fanny, come on up. Y'all know something? Jesus' voice called into the grave and it pulled Lazarus out. I don't know how long later, but you know what happened later to Lazarus? He died. He died again. He passed away. The truth is, everybody who has ever lived has died. Everybody who will ever live will die. And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to die one day. But here's what I want you to understand this morning is not only did Jesus' voice call Lazarus out to live a longer life on this earth, but Jesus came in the form of the flesh. He literally wrapped himself up in some skin, and he walked this earth. And as he walked this earth, what the Bible says is he was tempted and tested and tried in every way just like us, yet he didn't sin. What we know for a fact is he grieved, he mourned, he lamented, he cried, he was deeply moved and troubled. We know that he was without food, that he was abandoned, he was betrayed, and he went to the cross right there, and there he experienced this excruciating death. One, because it was physical, but two, that the chief reason it was so painful is because of how spiritual it was. Physically, I mean, crowd of thorns jammed into his head, whipped with metal in the end to pull off the skin, nailed to a cross physically excruciating but spiritual what you get when he's in the garden is he had to drink the the wrath of God the 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 punishment that we all deserve because of our sin just choosing our own way 
he drank it down to the dregs, family, experiencing the whole wrath of God upon himself. So much so that he says, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, he was separated from his union with the Father, and he experienced spiritual exclusion right there on that cross for us. And the wrath of all of humanity's sin, past, present, and future, was absorbed into Jesus Christ. And he went into the grave and experienced that kind of death in our place. In our place. And there was a punishment for sin. But not only was there a punishment, but because Jesus was the one who was worthy, because he's the only one who was perfect, because he wasn't just a man, but he was God, he did defeat the grave, and out bursting forth from the grave, he was clothed in righteousness. And with that righteousness, he literally distributes it to all of us, not based on our works, but simply based on faith in his grace. He gives it to us, and now it's ours to wear. Everywhere we go, clothed and cloaked in righteousness, clothed and cloaked in honor, clothed and cloaked as a saint, clothed and cloaked as holy and blameless, not because of anything we've done, but because Jesus took his righteousness and he clothed us with it. And now, what do we see? By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. By your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Let's pray. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We're here today because you are. I don't know, no matter how many people in this room believe this, but you are the resurrected king. You sit enthroned above it all, looking down on us. And in your grace and mercy, you are resurrecting us. Out of whatever low and difficulty and hardship we're in, you're resurrecting us. You're pouring out your grace and mercy on us. You've forgiven us, even though we were not worthy of it. You're changing us. You're giving us life and life to the full. And we just say thank you. I want to pray for those who've never tasted and never truly known intimately the resurrected in the life, those who don't know Jesus. And we just pray that today would be the day where they say, I want to know him. I don't want to believe in any kind of intellectual proposition. I just want to believe in Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. And they'd reach out and you would just say, I've been here the whole time. You grab them. Show them how good you are. Awaken some of us who've been apathetic, like who are cold. Meet us in our low. 
Jesus. And may we today, in a fresh new way, be able to say that resurrected king is resurrecting me and give us a new hope and new life. Pray all that in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.